Mr. or Mrs. Listener, we accept the fact that you're going to sacrifice a whole hour to listen to this podcast, but we think you are crazy. In the simplest terms, you see us as you want to see us. A Ninja Turtle, a Jedi, a Redhead, a Mike. Sincerely yours, Redhead Family Therapy Guy, and a Mike. Don't you forget about the bugger. You better listen to this thing. Yeah, it's gonna be great. All right, we're back. It's the Redhead Family Therapy Guy. And a Mike. Podcast. Dude, I'm so excited. Like, so Mike and I got on to tape probably like 35 minutes ago. We just chatted for 35 <laughs> minutes. And I so needed us to just talk, dude. I mean, we work at the same place and we talk a lot with work, but this week we haven't talked a bunch. And yeah, it's been realized, a busy week. Work's been busy much, in general. Yeah, I, I realized how much I needed to just chat. So hopefully today will be a great discussion as we're jumping into, oh, it's a good one. Big Trouble in Little China. That's right. This is <laughs> such, I forgot how freaking awesome and wonderful this movie was. Because I don't, yeah. I watched it, I watched it a bunch, but not like, I probably should have watched it a lot more because it's so much fun, so quotable. And, it uh, is. I, I just think. Kurt Russell is amazing Dude. in it. He's like so he is good. Really amazing. He's in this really good. Movie. The character. I mean, he's got a lot of good movies. Oh, sure. That, that I just grew up watching. Well, this, but he this is definitely, this even though this movie did not do well at the, 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 the box office, um, this still was an iconic role. And I think definitely launched him. I don't know where it falls in his portfolio of movies, but sure I mean, he's just, he just carries himself so well. He just, I mean, he's just great. I mean, he, the, I mean, the movie does not work without Kurt Russell being Kurt Russell, like the man's so, man that yeah, he is. And, and, and what is his name? Uh, Mr. Egg or, or egg. Is it just egg? The old asian oriental guy chinese the bad guy, guy? what he is no the good one that is like the sorcerer that helps oh, them so fun i think yeah, it's the wise a, the crotchety yeah. wise I, uh, so i uh loved the golden child as a kid and he's in that and then i also loved uh i really enjoyed the three ninja movies which he's in that and so he's i i always loved his character and it's just something about so he has the one eye that kind of like which is shut yeah and 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 there's just something like so i don't know nostalgic for me whenever i see see him him. in a movie that's That's how i feel when i see miyagi yeah that's true miyagi too (laughs) (laughs) anytime although miyagi's eye doesn't twitch right his eyes his eyes got that he's got the pretty steady stoic he's got the perfect (laughs) stoic wise master that that is you think is disapproving but he's just like well i yeah he plays a good he plays the good mentor role where the egg character i don't know his actual name but the the guy who plays the the sorcerer in this he plays a good like kind of mystic type character uh in my mind that's cratchety and kind of uh yeah I'm looking. I've got the cast list here in front of me. Surely, uh, Victor Wong is his name. Is that yeah, okay? Egg, Victor Wong. Egg Shen. Oh yeah, Egg Shen. Egg yes, Shen. I love his character in this movie. Um, I mean, they're they're all good, but yes, okay. So, I feel like um, Jack Burton is awesome. Like I so- love this character it is right. so funny well, the opening the opening monologue when he's driving the truck after we meet mr uh-huh. egg shen you know and is yes. being interviewed by the fbi guy in the green fire or whatever dude his monologue in the freaking pork chop express <laughs> is hilarious and i've got the line here from the one line yeah read which it. i think is a foreshadowing of the movie sure right sure but he just delivers <laughs> that whole thing as he's eating like his sub sandwich yep. or whatever <laughs> so good and he says when some wide-eyed eight foot tall manic grabs you by the neck taps you on the taps you taps the back of your favorite sorry i'm gonna i'm gonna start over when some wild-eyed eight-foot-tall manic grabs your neck, taps the back of your favorite head up against the ballroom wall. That's what's oh barroom, sorry, barroom wall. Looks your look 
looks you're choked in the eye and asks you if you've paid your dues, you just stare that sucker right back in the <laughs> eye. And you remember what old Jack Burton always says at a time like that. Have you paid your dues, Jack? Yes, sir. The checks in the mail. <laughs> Sorry, butchered that. But oh my goodness, it's so funny. It's always hilarious too. It's always a red flag to me in real life, not movie. Mm-hmm. Like Jack Burton's awesome and Kurt Russell's awesome as Jack Burton. But when I meet real people in real life that refer to themselves in the third person, yeah. I'm always like, red flag. <laughs> I'm like, red flag. <laughs> you should not talk about yourself in the third person because it's oh. like you're making yourself like a thing. It's like, so I have a really uh, interesting thought on this. Um, and this, so this is kind of sidebar to uh, Big Trouble Little China, but uh, in the ACT model, so acceptance commitment therapy, yep. there, we use diffusion a lot or cognitive diffusion. And uh, in, in cognitive diffusion, you're trying to separate kind of like yourself from the thought, like you're trying to like create trigger, separation right? or the from the emotion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so with cognitive diffusion, there's a real simple tool where uh, kind of a beginner tool, simple tool where uh, let's say I'm having a thought of I'm a bad therapist, then to, to do use diffusion, I could say, wait a second, I notice that my mind is telling me I'm a bad therapist, or I notice, you know, my mind is saying Brene Brown says something like, she always says, my mind is trying to tell me yes. whatever the negative thought is. Exactly, right? And it creates yeah. some separation, right? My wife and, I, well, and I've used that in our fighting. Like if we're arguing, it's like, I'll, I'll, I'll say, my mind is trying to tell me that you're X or whatever. Yeah. And so I, I've always liked that. Now, kind of coming to what you just mentioned, I was listening to something a while back. So just to give you some context, if you want to look this up, just look for something a while back. I can't remember what it was, but I was listening to a show and uh, it was probably, it was probably on NPR maybe because I feel like I was in the car listening to the radio, not a podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if I'm listening to a show, it's probably NPR in the car, although I don't listen to NPR too much anymore. But anyways, blaming liberal. The show was talking about and i can't remember which one it was and i loved listening to this show because they would they would talk about different things from mental health nature they were talking about a study that a university did on people who refer to themselves when speaking and they actually uh were referring to how this uh the the research had shown more emotional stability for those people in dealing with emotions or thoughts and the cool thing I'm was a hard time it makes complete sense well if you think about diffusion when you and they made this point they're like when you speak about yourself so if you know michael says this or michael says that it creates a separation I get it's almost as if you're speaking triggered. about another person. You're that's you're triggering me. And the thing that I go to with this is individuals that I've known that have done this consistently seem to depersonalize and not integrate the thing. So I think I, I get what you're saying that to do that diffuses or creates some barrier. But the people that I've known that I have this red trigger warning around if they talk to themselves in the third person are people that I've witnessed don't integrate and have emotional like an emotional wall from integrating and being connected. Well, so I wonder if that's become on- a become a defense mechanism that, that I appreciate that it could be like an intervention kind of thing. But if, if you don't ever integrate, it could maybe be bad, right? Well, it depends constantly. on how, how you're using it. And that's the same thing with cognitive diffusion, right? So the interesting thing is they use an example of LeBron James and mm. how, when he was um, leaving Cleveland to go to Miami and everyone was really upset, like, Hey, what the heck you're leaving? Um, you know, you're, you're, uh, betraying your city, whatever, whatever. And they gave an example that in a news conference, uh, LeBron James spoke as if, well, he said something like LeBron James needs to do what LeBron James needs to do. And it's really interesting because in that setting, I'm sure he's having a lot of disturbing thoughts. Just distress. And that gets him through that. Right. And so it's a really interesting thing. Like I get what you're saying, but yeah. It's a really interesting thought that I have whenever someone brings up speaking to the or referring to themselves in that way, because it reminds me of really this model 
of, uh, you know, uh, or the tool of cognitive fusion and how effective and helpful that can be mm-hmm. and be able to create separation so that you can continue forward. And, and so those that speak in that way, you can utilize that as a beneficial tool, but uh, I wouldn't use it all the time. Uh, and, and here's the thing, yeah. when you're doing yeah. the tool, my mind is telling me I'm a bad therapist. Yeah. That's great. Usually you're doing it internally, not right. externally, which yeah. if you refer to yourself. <laughs> well, I think it'd be great. Like if, to me, if you're having a conversation with somebody that's really safe, it allows you to process those kind of triggers in that moment. So I think, I mean, I think it's a great interact or a great tool to use with people that you can slow down and be able to talk through what's coming Uh up for you, especially if there's somebody that won't be defensive, you know what I mean? And and can realize that you're trying to do that. Like I said, my wife and I do it when we'll be in like pretty intense conversations and it gets us being aware of where our distortions and fears versus you know, and what we're assuming about what the other person is motivated or means in that moment. And so, yeah, it's great. It's a great tool. It is. All right. So let's so get back to this. Shop Express. Yes. Dude, let's Jack. get back to this quote because Jack. I think it's foreshadowing, <laughs> right? Because he talks about the eight foot tall manic grabs your neck, right? Which is essentially what we see with low pan and yeah. <laughs> the dual nature of low pan, let's say. Yes. <laughs> the split personality of, the, of, of low pan in the movie. Um, and then, and then I love the, the, the final line right because have you paid your dues jack yes sir the checks in the mail which also kind of suggests that he's not paid his dues that it's a bad check that he sent in the mail right (laughs) which is great because jack burton's kind of like egocentric and the thing that's so awesome about him is that he is egocentric and like yeah jack burton can handle this though he has no idea what he's dealing with has no idea what he's going to do or how he's going to get through it he's just going to go the coolest thing about this (laughs) hero is he is the most oblivious lucky action hero out there and it (laughs) makes it wonderful it's so fun like when they finally get to low pen low pen is it low pen or low pen i think low pen low pen yeah hello when they finally get to low pen uh when he's doing this ritual and they're kind of hiding right over to the side and then low pan senses them with that like one-eyed or that three-eyed monster oh yeah yeah oh wait it's called uh what is it called it's called a something beholder a beholder yeah maybe a beholder is that, is that like a very famous D bad yeah guy? it's like a yeah a D, i think it's a beholder and yeah. so the 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 three-eyed monster beholder sees them and they all do kind of their war cry right and jack burton does his war cry and shoots his gun and what happens the ceiling <laughs> like falls, falls on his head on him and, and he like falls him out. Out. <laughs> protects him from which his, is probably good he right no he, has he no probably would have got himself killed if he ran he's, in right there's no right business running else. in <laughs> with the three now and and also let's digress for a minute because okay. Okay. these three low pan minion ninja samurai warriors are the freaking coolest ever and the intro and the introduction to these bad guys uh in the in the show is so freaking cool you know they're running around these alleys of chinatown wherever and uh and you know they are introduced and come down and break up you know these two factions warring in the streets of chinatown and are introduced with their hats i remember as a kid being like those hats make them look so bad, eh? Because oh, they're like yeah. just come down like under yeah. their eyes. So and it's the almost like they they're filmed. Yeah, it looks so intimidating. Like, well, because it's cow, almost like they're fighting legit. from a meditated state because like mm-hmm. they don't need their eyes almost, right? With these hats or whatever. But some I remember of the, in the 90s, was it in the 90s when Mortal Kombat started getting really big? Yes. And they totally. Was a- Oh, yeah, totally I remember took. seeing that game and I'm like, holy crap, this, this is him. big trouble, little China. <laughs> it's that guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's why is, he was right? my favorite. I don't remember what was that, his name? He's I can't my remember the fighter's one. name. I can't, uh, I can't remember it because I get the names mixed up between that and Street Fighter, which I played Street Fighter a lot. I didn't play Mortal it, Kombat. It totally I, is. A, but I, totally I, like, is I remember a the Mortal Kombat movie too, but... We but, were correct. Uh, it was a beholder. It is a beholder. Yeah. So then, <clears throat> well, you are correct. You you remembered. I just went with it. Um, the, uh, <laughs> but yeah, he is. I I remember seeing, uh, Raiden. 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 That's right. Raiden. I remember seeing Mortal Kombat as a, you know, I don't remember how old I was, but in the nineties, and then seeing the oh, movie and thinking, man, this is this is like 
the dudes from from Big Trouble Little China. Well, and like <laughs> Raiden was the only finishing move I could actually do in Mortal Kombat. So that's I never, why I don't think I I might have played Mortal Kombat like once or twice. Totally, I was big I Street Fighter. App- I played Street Fighter all the time I, on Super I did Nintendo. Too. <laughs> well, Street Fighter Two in the arcade, I was I was um, I was no joke with uh, the army guy with the mohawk. Man, I don't, I I'm trying to think. Whenever I would go to an arcade, I think I that. would always play skee ball. I don't know I that know. I played a lot. Played a lot of, of Street Fighter video II. games. I I I, I would Mortal play. Kombat. I played a little bit of Street Fighter Two in the the uh, arcade. Um, the man. the game that I absolutely rocked on, a lot of uh, on the uh, Game Boy, That's dude. Right. I could absolutely annihilate people at Tetris. If we hooked in, like you don't want to play Tetris with me, man. You don't want to play with me. My wife plays a lot of Tetris. She I likes it a lot. I was really good. At yeah, me. I didn't ever have a Game Boy. I had friends that had Game Boys. I did. And uh, yeah, they all had Tetris, but uh was no joke at Tetris. <laughs> so so the introduction of these bad guys. Now, one of the things that I yeah. like had so much fun laughing, because I don't remember which of the three guys it is, but the one guy like that has like the that expands the vorpalish kind of little throwing knives. Oh yeah. And yeah. he like does this forward flip and then like lands and then like throws it. <laughs> so like they all yeah they all do some wonky moves every once in a while and it's it's really funny like the angles they some of the angles they jump from you're like how how is how are they going in that directory well the scene that you talk about where uh jack burton old jack um gets knocked out by the debris falling from his gunshot Uh ceiling um the scene of uh what's the guy that wants his girlfriend back what's his name and oh. it's really hard because I'm looking at IMDb, but all the pictures is like they're old. So, oh, the one guy, the one, one of the. Yeah, I can't. Oh, remember. OK. Oh, it's hilarious. Peter the, or Pete. I can't remember. Um, Let's see. Grace. He's the. He's oh, it the must have been Wang Chung. The, no, it's Wang Chung. Wang Chung. Oh, Wang Chung. Wang Chi. OK. Yeah, and the, Peter, oh, just for Peter's the record. Way, way off. The, the three bad guys. Yeah, it's not. Come on, dude. He's Asian. Um, The three bad guys were thunder, rain and lightning. Just for the. Oh, record. that's awesome i don't think i knew that thunder yeah, rain dude. and lightning and lightning is that awesome? that is awesome. so yeah obviously lightning <laughs> now so yeah when i was a kid i remember uh lightning coming down on that lightning stream uh-huh so freaking awesome dude. oh yeah it's so, and the thing that's so great about this movie is like of course you've got the 80s sound which i have realized that i love 80s movie music yeah i just love 80s and then you've got like the neon 80s going on like the neon light behind the skull in that like layer scene is freaking great and then like just the sounds like the sounds of the special effects are incredible in this movie the sounds um of the kung fu are incredible in this movie like the sound of this movie and the look of this movie and the fact that it's spoofy and fun is just there's something so about movies in the 80s like even batman you know there, yeah. there's something that we talked about last time there's yeah, something yeah. about Comic the sets feely. like the yeah. sets and the way they did the movie like this big trouble little china i had that thought too as i was watching it i was like man i love these sets like they're real sets so it's good. none of it's computer generated it looks real and they have a lot of like they don't computer generate like the crowds either right or the fighting no. it's all no. like real people and i feel like that was what was cool about batman is in gotham city the same thing the sets were like design sets now some of it was of course you could tell like miniature sets or sometimes a background like a painted background background, but this one big trouble little china i feel like it was really and i feel like when they were in the last like that later scene not the last scene but the later scene with lopan where he's doing the ritual and his life like it was in like a mall. I wonder if they rented a mall with an escalator and then, like, totally, and then yeah. revamped the whole thing. Like I love, I love so that. Cool. And I think that's, what's so cool about Heidi, who we had on in the past, you know, her dad, um, his career was a stagehand for Yahtzee doing all these movies. And I think that's what is really cool is they used to do. I feel like so much more with set development than I feel like most movies do now. A lot of it, a lot. Of, I mean, they still do sets, but a lot of it's green screen. Yeah, and it just. I mean, it's it, fine. Some of it looks great. It but does, some, but it doesn't. 
but it, it takes doesn't away from feel, that nostalgic feel it, for me. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel like Return of the Jedi. Like it doesn't mm. feel like Big Trouble in Little China. You know, it doesn't feel like these movies. All right, let me ask you a lore question. So, what do you make of what's going on with Lopan and the Green Eyes? And like, I don't know anything about mystic uh, horror genre uh. of Asian cultures or whatever. I don't know if Lopan and his is like a throwback to some ancient or some kind of Asian. I don't know. Or something like that. There's just some power in the rarity, right. Of, of an, uh, uh, green eyes, or there's something that I think there must be some semblance between green, green eyes and power. I thought thought it was interesting. Rejuvenation. You know, that he, like he decides to, so Lopan is like this broken, silly little guy. (laughs) The one scene where he's all like, good. He's like, 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 like being all crazy. And like, when they say in the movie, which makes sense because in the movie, don't they say like two thousand years ago the king, uh, in like enslaved him or something? Remember, like he there's made a deal for like his soul or something. That no, he was like it wasn't. Bound to... It wasn't. Well, that might have been part of it, but it, it was. I got the impression from that scene that 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 he was not tortured, but definitely kind of mistreated. And I think that's probably what led to kind of his fanaticism, craziness in trying well, to Well, also too, your soul just gets stretched, or whatever. right? Or like immortalized if, you're just, again. if you're being, if you're immortalized, your soul just gets stretched and worn. You know, it's one of the things I finished um, Rhythm of War. Oh, did you? To Salt Lake, yeah. And I think it's really disheartening, but also profoundly interesting that did you do you remember the, the dog and the dragon yeah I, I took we note of it talk yeah. about yeah, that, talk that about. really um awesome. i took note uh, yeah i took note of it but but it's interesting that that the heralds are really like great like they're going crazy yeah you know what i mean because of the strain of holding off evil in the iterations mm-hmm. um or rounds that's going on as they fight you know it's not that the last battle is the wheel of time uh one you, you it's interesting because you know they've they've there's been this betrayal i don't want to get too far into it but i think i find it really interesting there's been this betrayal but at the same time you you know you kind of have this soft spot for how oh, yeah. much torture that oh, yeah. probably is well, to, to it's, and, well it's such an interesting symbol that brandon sanderson used to hold back the void bringers with them suffering but then yeah. yeah there's the betrayal but the one guy's back and he holds them off longer than they ever have been held know, off which is and so, he holds and it's interesting too because he so doesn't cool. seem, he's totally crazy but he doesn't seem to have any malice towards them nope. that they left him it was just like i tried to give you all the time you could have yeah. ever had and then the heralds don't even do anything with it they just yep. abandon the people well, um for tragic all right we're totally probably getting... because of shaming yeah we could yeah, uh, yeah we should we well, gotta we come should back. do an episode maybe we can <laughs> um, on our drive maybe we can maybe chat. that should be our yeah, drive maybe we, can dude. Chat maybe about we should it. like do some like couple parts of uh all right yeah well, you've got just if you've hung on this long in our podcast <laughs> you've got some ex- exciting stuff coming up because michael and i will have some road tripping we've got three hours yeah. of driving each direction to louisiana from memphis and so yep. you're going to get some road background noise and uh, some podcasts taped <laughs> on the road high so. quality it's gonna be good. <laughs> it's gonna be good. um so anyway so so what do you what do you make of uh of this lore and this yeah. idea so so the lore is is that he needs the blood is he just sucking it out of like he pokes them with his it little looks like and he's just like licking it and <laughs> sucking it out of their bodies like it seemed like at one point like maybe it was coming through this needle into him or something and then at one point you see he starts like licking it and stuff well the idea of of he's mortalizing himself yeah and and the idea is that he's taking both of them because he actually wants to keep the girl because she's like this hot yeah princess or whatever yeah because it's so rare to be asian and green-eyed which i don't know i don't i have no idea if that's even true um <clears throat> are there green i think there are green eyes there has Asian to be women for sure i think probably but it's got to be the ratio is probably brown eye it would be my guess mm-hmm. and everybody makes a big deal of green-eyed redheads but actually blue-eyed redheads which i am is much more rare than green-eyed redheads green eyes and red hair man so i don't even know anything about eyes besides you see them <laughs> Eyes are a fascinating uh, part of the human anatomy, for sure. <laughs> I uh, 
I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what, how he was doing that, but yeah, my understanding was as he consumed the blood in whatever he, fashion so he, he did, wanted to be he became mortal. Yeah. And how hilarious that he com- becomes decently mortal. And then I <laughs> love the, the, like Kurt, Kurt Russell or Jack yeah. Burton. So like, just like standing there and the dude, like chucks the knife. He's like, Whoa! back in your forehead it's so awesome like well, it's, that's it's his so, one superpower is his reflexes right yeah which are really reflexes, cool which is really interesting right because well and he says that too again this is part of the foreshadowing because he says something about you know he only drives as fast as he can you know he only drives as fast as he can in darkness or something sure so that he can react or something so he makes they make a multiple references um to that in uh in the in the foreshadowing Something that I think is really interesting, you know, I, I feel like there is kind of this, uh, there's always kind of been this trend towards longevity, right? People want to want to live forever, live forever. And yet you have this movie where there is Your an immortal mortality. person and this immortal thing, Lopan, wants to become mortal, he doesn't want to be immortal. Anymore. Well, he's weakened. He, I guess, isn't he weakened in his immortal state? Like he's stretched, or maybe yeah. he also can't. I think there's a reference to he can't experience the passions of the natural well, it, man in his immortal state. It goes right? to it goes to say, like in our our you know the way our bodies, the way we are in this existence, do we really want to live forever? Right. Well, no, I mean, I think a part of wanting to live forever is living in the idyllic, you know, yeah. tip of like the high, you know, like at your best performing decade, yeah. or whatever it is, which is really interesting because, you know, everybody thinks of like the 20s or whatever, but like I, like I feel good in my 40s, you know, I still feel really healthy and good. You know, I, th- I don't know if we, we like celebrate youth in our culture, but like 30s and 40s have been really healthy yeah, and, and fully I think, operational you know, I think for me. that uh you know i think probably it seems that you know the the longer um people exist uh on this earth <laughs> it seems like that age is kind of pushed back right yeah i would, I would definitely say yeah 100 200 years ago i'm, I'm sure they would say a lot younger of age, right? <laughs> so in 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 this in this um in this comparison or this duality of Lopan, mm-hmm. you know the bass the you know the guy scooting around on his on his wheelchair. Yeah. Look at <laughs> listen to one of the lines from Jack Burton. This is so funny. He, somebody says something about Lopan, and he says, "Well, which Lopan? The little old basket case on wheels, or the ten foot tall roadblock?" <laughs> These lines are so good in this movie. He is awesome. And and it's great because he's got he's got these really good quips, right? Oh my goodness. And he's got this kind of this uh um personality that's uh you know real kind of sure of himself. Well, Well, it's you know what's interesting. I I wonder if we could compare this this some of the quality that makes him so fantastic comparing to uh bill murray right there's this sense of ego but also this sense of a really good guy right so here i think you're absolutely right and i want to throw another one out for you that kind of jumped to my mind as i was watching him and i wonder where kurt russell got his influence for this but i thought of han solo like harrison ford as han or han solo like the macho awesome hot guy but is really, and he's totally like confident, but also like he knows he doesn't know things and he's uh-huh. like putting on and he's dealing with his unknowingness through kind of jabbing humor, you know, and yeah. he's inflated Poking, himself, right? He pokes right? He's, in good humor at people. Yeah. And he's, infl- he's inflated himself, yeah. but he also can take like failure or abject like ignorance about well, a situation like, you know right? han, han and chewy right they they did the kessel run in in 12 parsecs or, or or whatever but you know i think it's interesting because there is some accomplishments i feel like with jack you know he has some 
some of these talents, right? Like his reflexes are insane. Like it's really cool. So he oh, yeah. has this is, some this stuff is the to line. back it up, right? This is the line. Like I always told my last wife, I say, which is just a great intro. <laughs> to my last wife, um, you know, it's like suggesting he's had lots of wives. Um, my last wife, I say, honey, I never drive faster than I can see. Besides that, it's all in the reflexes. <laughs> <laughs> who talks about themselves like that every good love it it's hilarious and one of the lines too everybody relax i'm here <laughs> well and i i think it's also interesting um in well and i i think i said in 12 parts uh, in less than 12 parsecs but anyways i'm sorry that's a, a tangent of star wars but i think it's also interesting the end scene where you know they're like hey are you gonna kiss her when, when jack's leaving and he turns and he's like, no, and just walks off. What do you make okay. of that? Like, it, I, I was, I, I, it was great. I, like, was I thought it was awesome because it's kind of just him, right? He just does his own thing, <laughs> marches to the beat of his own I, drum. I think, but I, I think wondered if there was of, semblance to that or if it was symbolic or something or meaningful. I didn't know. I, I, I think, I, I think it's, um, I think it's, I think it's one dynamic of, in one sense, it's like the honorable thing to do because, He's not sticking around like he's uh, he's on the road, right? True. Like he's going from place to place, and so it's like part of his machoism or part of his manly manness is like I'm not staying. Like you're not gonna anchor me down. I'm not gonna be a family man, right? Like I'm a guy. I'm a truck driver. I'm the guy yeah. that like brings you your goods and fights off the evil low pans of the universe. You know what I mean? I'm just a regular man that can, you know, that can uh -huh. quell, quell the evils of the universe, you know? And so I think one aspect of it is, is that, and, and also too, it's like, well, he already did kiss her, you know, he's just kind of, you know, it's like in the most sense, like in the, I wonder what a female would say of this, of like how kind of bad a that is like, yeah, I already kissed you and rocked your socks. And now I'm moving on, you know, like it's interesting next time. because it, it seems like, yeah, just see. I think it's interesting because it doesn't seem like a happy life, just on your own truck driving and not, not. I feel like with a relationship, there's so much stretch and growth that comes from it, even though there's pain within that at times. And for him, it's to be on his own, right? That's yeah. where. And so I, I feel like that's an interesting ending, but it fits his character, right? It and it. Mm -hmm. It makes me chuckle, but at the same time, I'm like, huh, I wonder, I mean, he just wants to go and ride off into the rainy, doomy day. Yeah, that's who he is. I mean, he's going to go out and tell stories and bring good, bring pork chops to, there is a line, I'm trying to find it. I thought I saw it in some of his, but oh, here it is, here it is. Oh my gosh, this is so funny. Uh, would you stop rubbing your body up against mine? Because I can't concentrate when you do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like i think it's like when they're <laughs> and i love because he just speaks his thoughts right yeah right like it, well and, and he's so good natured about it right like he, you know what he is like he is yep. just like this macho macho guy like there's no there's no real mystery about who jack burton is you know what i mean well because he doesn't care right he doesn't care what people think he's just gonna say what he's gonna say and he's gonna yeah be maybe that's what be. it is but he's also not pretentious right i mean that's why it's no, he's like, not mean like i don't feel no, like he's yeah. rude or mean no, he just exactly. is who he is he's he's right. you know securing himself um but then and it, inflated in himself <laughs> yes but it's interesting because it's at the same time it's like oh, okay you know he's a nice guy but then he doesn't like there's no real life there you know there it's him going from one job to well, the next the life is is that you know you can count on them to at least be a part of uh defeating the low pants of the universe okay this is one of my favorite lines right here <laughs> this is i remember laughing my butt off in this one sit sit i think they're getting ready to like go out and go into the like when they go on the the wilderness journey through the through the like the sewers or whatever uh-huh before leaving he's like sit tight hold the fort keep the home fires burning and if we're not back by dawn call the president <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah i do remember that one i do remember that one so great oh uh, so that so what do you one of the other things with low pan like so you get low pan you get his his ninja minions who are the forces of nature which is kind of interesting to think about you know this you've got this immortal guy and his minions are 
thunder lightning and what was the other did i say thunder lightning and rain and yeah, rain, rain yeah and then you've got like you know at this point somewhere at the halfway point in the movie when they're especially like when they go through the one warehouse and then get into the underbelly of the world it's interesting that that's where then you get these few monsters i think there's like three there's like the beholder and then there's like the hairy monkey yeah, savage thing type that's thing. that's also climbing on the truck as he's at the end his yeah. final monologue which i always thought was really cool as a kid because i was like <laughs> what's that like it's just well it's kind of just like the idea of the it unknown. reminds me of razor and in, in turn teenage mutant ninja turtles 2 secret of the mm. use but it's it's this interesting metaphor of like the darkness is always lurking out there and coming yeah. for you. You know, it's a little bit of the unknown, and that's what's really cool about about the unknown sophistry or you know our mysticism of this movie is like that there is this unknown in the world that's out there lurking, and it does a great job of of playing with that. You know, with it's this, very mysterious, right? Yeah, there's a lot of mystery and a lot of and darkness, darkness. Yeah, which well, I love about this movie, and I feel like, oh man, it would be so cool if they would have maybe done a follow or something more with it because it really could have or even like a tv show you know a good tv show because there's i feel like so much more you could delve into that would be good and exciting yeah um, but it's also great just as a one-off right I, at yeah, this point i wouldn't alone. do anything with it yeah because oh, yeah, it's yeah. just a classic a reboot would be cool but it would be almost impossible <sighs> to have another to have another jack burton you know it's the fun. same it, thing it, i was thinking about back to the future i was like man i don't know how you could recast yeah. like if you did a reboot Mark it. yeah i just don't he's know so good. and just a little side I, think, I saw an article the other day saying um uh, christopher lloyd is going to be in mandalorian season three i don't know that how truthful oh, that is or that not but i thought perfect. that was he would really be great cool. he's such a gnarly yeah. old guy yeah Doc. um i think they could do a big level like for me it would work if it was like uh you know like he had some kid you know, like it, yeah, in his that's trucker true. days, like so yeah. it wouldn't have to be like you were reading. It could be a him. sequel. It could be like a, a sequel, yeah. not instead of a reboot. Like it would well, be like, like kind a of son, a reboot, like but... a like a long lost son that like finds out. Like Kurt Russell could make like a cameo or something. Yeah, in the beginning or a cameo and it wouldn't have end. to like he wouldn't have to have his same personality. It could you could be yeah, his own unique in the self, same right? It could just be in the still same have, genre. Yeah, they yeah, could yeah. definitely do that. Um, but because you could totally make it fun. And play off of the spoofiness because we need well, some of those spoofy, silly, don't well, take yourself too seriously. Night. To I think movies, I think, well, I think with the whole like, you know, like we were talking about with the with the progression of the iterations of Batman, where it's gotten more and more serious instead of playful and spoofy. Yeah. It's like it's like it's like they don't think or they don't want to spend money on spoofy well, movies. And it's really cool. It's kind of um it's kind of like galaxy quest also where it is kind of like this movie that's like a spoof right but it's actually it's a movie it's not just yeah. like a play-by-play -play, uh funny uh version of a movie right it's actually right. its own movie yeah it kind of plays on a genre yeah and i feel like big troll like those types of movies i feel like are really good but i don't feel like we get a lot of that anymore i the other thought i had is what kind of happened to, I feel like in the eighties, we had golden child, you have big trouble, little China, you have gremlins, you have like all these movies that kind of have this Dark. Asian flair, like mysterious flair to it. Yeah. And, and maybe I'm just not noticing it now, but I feel like we had a, a good movement of that. And I really love like all those movies I love. Yeah, me too. And they have that kind of Asian flair. And that's what actually my undergraduate degree, my bachelor's degree I did in, in history and i my one of my major concentration was asian history and i think it's just from that because i've always been intrigued by asian culture mm -hmm. and i feel like we haven't had that and I, I haven't seen that as much in movies where in the 80s i feel like you had kind of this strand and there's other movies we had the strand of movies where there was like this asian mis mysterious um theme to the movies that i really enjoyed and i thought were really fun Mm -hmm. yeah no i'm totally with you there and it seems well it seems like it fits a little bit of that like i remember as a kid feeling like godzilla versus you know king kong or whatever were ridiculous mm -hmm. but now i really appreciate 
what they're doing and i think it's great you know like yeah. i love i love that it that that it has holes and it's kind of silly like i really enjoyed the godzilla movies a lot you know even though you know it's like i think i think in my my older age like in my middle my middle age like in like my 20s and 30s i wanted movies to be serious or or seem really real but now i'm okay with the movie not being real i wonder if it's that it's like it's like we want the movies and the movie that we're seeing and the place it takes us to like totally work and be real but it's like no it, it cannot like it can just be playful and silly and can we just appreciate like what we learn or or what we laugh through i mean because like big troll in the channel like i watched it with jack and we were laughing like he was like yeah. this is so ridiculous and sarah came in she's like this is so ridiculous and i'm like yeah but that's why it's so fun like it's just great like jack burton's just ridiculous he's this uber male you know that thinks he knows everything but de- but he knows he doesn't but like i can figure it out you know it's Which ridiculous he does. but it grabs you because there's also an interesting story like you want to know and i feel like that wasn't really neat too when, when watching this movie um, again is, is that it draws you in to the storyline and it moves pretty quickly. I would have liked, and so even I, though there's the funniness, right. Yeah. It still yeah. grabs you. It, and it pulls is fast. You in. Yeah. It's quick. Right. Like it, mm-hmm. it's, well, you've got the great opener with the, mo- like, well, you got the mystery is introduced because you've got egg being interviewed by the FBI. Yeah. And then you get, you know, the transition to Jack Burton, this, you know, truck driver, this Uber male truck driver, um, you know, misogynistic guy. It's, it's so, it's such a, it's a great, it does grab you, you know what I mean? But I wish they would have explained some of the mysticism a little bit more. Like there's a reference to the point where they're, where they're watching, they're in Lopan's lair and, you know, the green eyed girls are, you know, in this trance, the, the, the white girl, the American girl, isn't, she's kind of faking it, but then they like grab the burning blades and they're like, Oh, they survived the burning blades. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, why is that significant? Or what is the burning blades? You know, that they rise up, you know, they hold them, they rise up to touch the green, the stone that then vibrates green. And he's like, like they, they are pure, you know, they do have the, the life force that I can suck out of their veins or whatever it is. It's like, yeah, they kind of, a lot of it, they kind of leave to you piecing things together. Right. It's kind of like, we'll let you piece this dark. Yeah. Together to what you think it, it is. And uh, who were all the other people that they were surviving? Were they just like trapped in like, pens or jail or something because they oh those girls those. they got oh they're just all are those they're just the, all like sex I traffic think, girls yeah or something? i think so from which was really interesting yeah because they're really introducing it's a really, kind of heavy they dark are thing. and it's yeah. so weird like not weird it's just so i don't know it's so i guess jack burton but he's just sitting in this like brothel where i'm sure it's all sex trafficked women right and he's just kind of casually undressing asking questions but the fact that he continues to undress just always i'm like what are you doing i love how he's like he's just like yeah i'm ready let's we're gonna do this i love how he puts on that nerdy persona oh yeah it's so great (laughs) yeah he's got like a dwight vibe going on (laughs) um well it's so funny too because you know he's like enjoying it (laughs) well it's such a well, and I think that whole scene is so weird to me because it, there's humor there. But then, like you said, there's like this serious, I don't think as a, as a kid, I thought nothing of it, but as an adult, you're like, yeah, those are probably all sex was, trafficked women. They're no, I probably think I was disturbed. I think I was like, Oh, I think I remember maybe of coming of age and being like, there are places where you can just go and pay for sex. Like, you know, now I know it's a brothel, but I think I was being like, well, that's really interesting. Of course, you know, the, the madam, who's you know trafficking all these girls gets her demise uh, I, I noticed that they willingly killed her off you know, yeah by falling debris it's like yeah and well, so i wonder so are all if, those if they would have rescued them if the uh thunder lightning rain didn't came. show up yeah if they didn't they showed come, up yeah. and they they show up and and uh and abduct the green-eyed girls in that scene right that's when that happens oh that's true and then they rescue them yeah that makes sense then they rescue them when they when they go to get um the two girls yeah which is interesting right i mean so i wonder if they would have rescued them otherwise yeah it's a really profound message though that like 
it's interesting that you've got this character that you know could be hated on for his machoism and, and misogyny but like he is rescuing trafficked girls you know from, from yeah this, from demise, well it's from this interesting because it's almost like an an after effect all or side effect also which is an interesting kind of point of view with this movie you know there's a lot of these women that are yeah. basically like sex slaves right yeah and then there's these two women really the one that's you know supposed to the be virgin the wife the right yeah. and their their whole reason for for doing this is to save these two girls and then they become like kind of the unlikely hero and save all these women but it's kind of an interesting point they're making in this movie that they don't matter which is kind of the, the why well, that is the point in, in life the sex trafficked women they're just they they yeah. come upon them they're not the reason they're there they just yeah, come upon them they just end up saving them but that's not the reason they're there they're not there to save these women who you know really there's all these women that need to be saved and it's kind of interesting because i think in life we tend to to shy away from the big things that maybe could be use some saving and yeah. and when those big things do get saving i wonder i wonder how often it, it is, is it just happen chance yeah it's a byproduct of something maybe else that we're doing Render. so I, I don't know if that's kind of the message they're giving but it's an interesting point of the movie for me the whole like brothel or sex well and it's and it's type. interesting too because you know i'm thinking about how kurt russell gets pulled into this whole world um and you know it's, yeah from gambling and wanting his right, money, right 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 yeah yeah like uh uh what's the guy's um uh wang chi who but they talk about friendship and kurt essentially does i mean he gives up the money right like i don't he doesn't pay him at the end i don't think he, he gives just, him the check he gives him the oh, he does the three times the right and and that's kind of a fun scene too where jack is like no no it's all good it's all good and he's like no it's three times or whatever because you're you're worth it and jack's like yeah you're right and takes it <laughs> <laughs> so i yeah, think he like, does try to to say no it's okay at first but then he ends up but taking it. but there definitely is a part that like you know he's there initially for the money but yeah. then it's not it's about friendship well that's it's why it's like a guy's solo right, right. type story yes, arc, great point which is yeah. really interesting to me and, and kind of his mannerisms kind of and that's why i really would be cool i think it'd be cool to know and maybe there's an interview out there somewhere where someone asks hey how'd you kind of get the idea for what you're going to do with this character buddy you know solo would have been 77 and i think this was 86 so you you would have had you would have had um uh episode four five and six right star wars and and then uh um uh, you think return of the jedi and what's the one that everyone loves i can't think of the name right now empire yeah empire strikes back sorry what um what do you think do you think jack's character progresses as a person i mean is the progression that he wasn't bothered about the money even though he got it and that's just kind of the role that he functions as this macho sure. man that shows up and, yeah. and defeats the that's evil like, in the universe. That's kind or of what I see? was thinking, like with when he just kind of walks out, right? And it's like, no, I'm not going to kiss her. It's kind of like you feel like there's progression, but then at the end, I'm like, I don't know if there is any progression for just, him. Just that's who he is. He yeah. There. He Which was, I thought, an interesting thing. And that's kind of where you get the vibe of maybe this is a play on action movies, right? Maybe this is kind of like a Galaxy Quest where it's its own movie. A little TV. bit but it's more of a satire yeah. or spoof of, well, of that genre, right? Well, it's interesting too, because the opening scene eggs, like they're asking about this Jack Burton and his truck and he's like, leave him alone. Yeah. Like let him be what he is. You know uh -huh. what I mean? Like he plays this role in the Jack Burton's cause it's interesting too, because there's a lot of those Jack Burton personality types in the military, you know, where they show up and take care of business. You know what I mean? They get yeah. their paycheck, but they're, they're really good dudes. Like they're guys that care about the things that are good and right you know they they want to protect you know the the well, you're right because minorities ultimately jack did you know contributed to what was right like rescuing and and well and and and, 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 cr and uh crushing and, evil and then he I, if i remember right i think he did like kind of say no you don't need to pay me but the, yeah. even though he accepted it in the end sure. so yeah it. <laughs> well, and Wang, and like, you know, it's interesting too, because the fact that he's out there as this un, 
unhinged, not unhinged like crazy, but not connected male. He allows Wang to have a restaurant and a family, right? Because he came yeah. in and swooped in and and kind of destroyed, you know, these evil forces. The other thing that's really interesting too about the heroes and the hero group in this movie is like they really are overmatched, you know what I yeah. mean? By thunder, rain, and lightning and mm -hmm. Lopan and his well, and that's why they need magic from his they need face. Egg, you know right, I mean? to come in and create this this basic witch's brew or sorcerer's uh, brew, right? Do they, they drink it? They or drink, yeah. They oh, that's right, because the they're all like powers, I feel, which I feel. They're all like they're all like bouncing. And the around. funny thing for me is it's noticeable. The brew. effects of that brew is noticeable on everyone except for Jack. Jack from Jack still's the same to me. That's like he yeah. he you know he has the quick reflex where he catches a knife and then throws it but back, right? That, yeah. But he already had that, right? So right. it was really interesting that after they take this witch's brew, like everyone's like super Ready powerful. And then Jack's like still Jack. I'm still me. <laughs> Um, the scene too, when Wang is facing off against, I don't know if it's lightning. I think it's lightning where lightning is like flying through the air. So um, like upside down and backwards. He, I yeah. noticed too, that he ended up like in multiple positions on the way when they're, uh, when they're yeah. headed towards each other. But I love the whole, like showing his blade, showing his blade. Yeah. And then like lightning just like ends up like in the, the gutter stabbed or whatever <laughs> i thought it was really interesting how thunder dies right so like all the other ones die like the one blows up in the belly of the buddha there's got to be which some is really funny to me that he just like expands himself and explodes but yeah, he doesn't yeah. do it quick enough to really do anything everyone runs away because they see he's expanding so then really he just dies so is that just frustration <laughs> it's just like he dies because low pan yeah. is dead so he's noticing that low pan is dead so it's just like his minion master has been destroyed and so he just doesn't know what to do with himself so he yeah just, yeah like, it could be <laughs> but it's all it's like a the charlie and the chocolate factory type deal right how with, does uh who is it who, does, what's the girl's name that takes or that eats the candy and blows up all Victoria purple i can't remember the v. <laughs> but it, that's what it reminded me of is like a... it's bumped out it's <laughs> yeah. so weird we should totally do charlie we should do the old charlie and the chocolate factory yeah i can love that show um so i don't remember do you remember how rain dies so the one guy explodes the one guy blows up lightning blows up in the belly of the buddha right i don't remember how the other one dies uh um... is it wang that kills him yeah, I'm because like Wang yeah, has his super sure. kung fu powers that he's yeah, like, when after he takes the, the brew, right? And then he kills him, right? Yeah, well, yeah, well, they took the brew before they did their wilderness journey in the underworld, right? Which is like kind of cool that they they all like, and that's where the monsters, the beholder shows up, and the one other monster shows up in there. Yeah, I think they take the brew right before they go into the underworld. Yeah, 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 so. I don't remember. I don't remember. Somewhere in there, all three of them die, except for the the Razor dude from TMNT too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the beast, the scary beast. So, so the so I feel like there's something else for me to like connect the dots on that I'm not about Lo Pan. So he's just this old guy, but we don't really get a clear um, dialogue. So there's about the dialogue. His... There's a there's a dialogue where I think Egg talks about why he became who he became two thousand years ago. Do you remember that? It's like a real short dialogue. Yeah, I guess it, it must have not. And it doesn't give stuck. a lot, but yeah. he's like two thousand and something years ago. I can't remember. There's a very specific number. He. Um, made a deal with someone? what? No, it was like he was subjugated or something by the emperor or something at that time and because of that subjugation he then became immortal maybe he became like an immortal servant or something or, or maybe because of that he kind of you know was really upset and then found a way to make himself immortalized and he or maybe became like a sorcerer himself or something like that that's it was something like that i think i i, I don't yeah. i don't think there was necessarily there might have been a deal at some point, maybe after, but I really feel like I remember it was something like with him 
becoming a servant or or a slave or something so, um, uh, one of these ruler. like websites is saying that like maybe it was like his intention to like rule the universe well yeah i think ultimately right if you want i guess that's the, always the bad guy's goal is to be yeah the the head of the a typical structure and yeah in charge of all things because he's definitely well, i mean i guess with the with the brothel of or with his sex slaves you know it's just this evil indulgent self you know what i mean yeah it, it serves consumes. like two purposes right it serves uh a monetary you know i need i need power right power over women his layer his layer money all... and then it serves the purpose of weeding out the green-eyed girl right because they're well, just that's, constantly well that's their virtue girls. right well they're both um they're both uh metaphors of virtue right because you've got this like virgin asian princess coming over you know she's you know mysterious and kind of overly innocent and then you've got um i'm forgetting uh what's her name uh gracie law you know she's this do-gooder that's trying to save these girls that end up in in sex slave right so she's yeah. virtuous and good and so it's like low pan or evil wants the most virtuous good to feast on like that that empowers them the most to devour and eat that you know, well it's, it's like, kind of yeah the like sacrifice of the virgin right is right. What, what gives ultimate power and that's kind of evil story yeah that that's constant and i think that yeah is is the idea with him i'm guessing yeah it's to rule over the world but i think i think they do give context to how he got there like what kind of what yeah. maybe was a part of him going down that path i just can't remember exactly what they yeah, said but it started like over two thousand years ago i do remember that because i remember thinking holy cow that's a long time ago yeah, well, and clearly, well, and it's interesting too because the mystic egg seems to, you know, have a an ancient feel to him as well, right? Yeah, and like I don't he's think he's almost you really figure get that's any been around. backstory yeah, for him. We don't, right? and he's still there after. I mean, he's still kind of there in the backgrounds. Which you could do a spinoff story with egg. It doesn't even have a Jack, right? But it just has a, more of a story about egg and yeah, and what he's what gone through, how he name. became. I egg i don't egg. know if that's his actual name or if that's just no, like that's... his american name that he no uses. no that's the that's the character's name it, well egg. that's what i mean yeah like that's what he goes by i don't know if that's like his given name or that's just the egg or just the name that he uses in america or not they don't ever yeah. specify for him uh but egg you know, you know, he's the tour guy, right? Isn't that his job is giving the oh, yeah, the yeah, tours yeah. of the tour Chinatown bus. or whatever. Okay. And I think that, no, I don't know. Maybe his I name. Wonder, doesn't, I wonder if eggs have some grander symbolic place in the Asian culture. I feel like they do. They could. Yeah, I think that maybe they, they do. Maybe do there's some significance. I don't know. But he's a fascinating we, and interesting character. Yeah, we're deficient in Asian culture. I totally am. Which means. is part of why this movie's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's really because it, it's got this There's so much, yeah, like mysterious unknowns. Well, and everything visually about it, like, isn't like what I would like. My lair wouldn't look like low pants. <laughs> I mean, like the gold and the, you know, the like the minion like soldier warriors of statues everywhere and yeah yeah the the is it the um the uh, uh room of like buddhas that get knocked over the domino effect right. is that where one of them dies is in that room when all the buddhas get knocked over something happens in that How room dare you, you knock over all the buddhas yeah, there's like 20 of them or something that get knocked over. There's something going on with them trying to give you some message about Buddhas too because the, the Buddhas are being knocked over and then one of the ninja minions dies and explodes in the belly of the Buddha. Yeah. And maybe that's just like it being internalized or subdued. Maybe the Buddha and the idea of awareness and maybe um, being present you just kind of know. internalize it you just internalize the the confrontation or the the conflict of the universe you know 
It's kind of funny. Sometimes when we're talking about these things, my mind's like, maybe there's nothing. Like maybe it's just nothing. No. And we're just like thinking. No, whenever I, I, that could be so, but whenever movie people do significant things, they're not just doing it to do it. I mean, I suppose there might be some directors that just think it looks cool. Like what's the guy that does like, the transformer movies is that bay michael bay michael bay yeah he's just about a big look (laughs) but most directors are doing things for reasons you know like even if they don't think you get it like they are that's a part of the art who directed this one oh let's look was it uh it was john carpenter carpenter right which john carpenter what else has he done um let's look his uh, known for the fog halloween um the lie like a lot of kind of dark uh yeah i thought bunch it was, of, a bunch of halloween movies a bunch yeah, of the myers movies that's what i thought i, I thought it was really interesting because yeah, i was like i think all about that's the carpenter halloween. didn't he's he also a, do scream also or is that uh no it's not on the filmography no who's the scream a, guy what's his name he's done a bunch too um, I can look here in a second. Yeah, it's literally like literally everything that's ever been done with Halloween movies, this guy has done. Yeah, that's what I thought was really interesting. <laughs> literally. When I saw his name, I was like, I'm pretty sure that's the scary movie guy. And, and, and so he did this movie. And so I don't know, which is really interesting because if I remember right with Halloween, John Carpenter really wanted to do a scary movie that didn't have blood, right? It was oh. just suspenseful and scary, but it didn't need to have the gore. gore. And it's really interesting because this movie kind of has that flair of mystery, unknown, and you don't like there's nothing I don't remember. Gratuitous. There's it. nothing yeah. gratuitous about it. Yeah. I mean, even like even when Jack Burton like knifes him in the head, it's just like in the head. I mean, it's not yeah. gross. Yeah, and it just it's over. So that I think that's really yeah. interesting. So maybe maybe John had some thoughts about Buddha. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Wes Craven is the director. Oh, Wes Craven. That's right. Mm-hmm. Wes Craven's the other one. So Wes Craven's done a bunch of scary movies also. Yeah, he, well, he did Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yeah, that's the most terrifying movie of my life. Yeah, so so then me as a kid, John Carpenter and Wes Craven. So yeah, if I remember right, John Carpenter was big into. He he probably does. I bet you there is some meaning in in Big Trouble Little China, just because I I feel like John Carpenter when I've seen stuff on him, he's big into, um creating creating like a a story and not needing you know the thrill of the story and not needing the well this movie delivers on thrills i mean geez louise i mean the opening i love like the that there's this interesting like turf war going on between these yeah that is you know what i mean it's just so cool (laughs) that is like so it's so typical of like chinese like it's true like i remember like my fate like i used to love watching kung fu movies as a kid on like channel 29 on the other knob on your tv and uh and i remember always being intrigued by asian culture and that there were these like clans and i was always yeah. like that's so cool like what is that like what's a clan like we don't have that in america you know these like family groups or whatever that were always worn like these kung fu movies are always about like kind of uh, a champion for the clan you know that would fight like face off against each other you know what i mean yeah and, and i think uh, that's probably my favorite scene of the whole movie oh the introduction in the the alleyway where they're kind of stuck and there's these wars going on and then you have uh thunder lightning and rain and then you have low pan and you get all of this in this like 10 minute scene and it's 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 intriguing and terrifying at the same time yeah i remember as a kid having him drive through Lopan and me just being know, like that like, is so freaky but what, and then he like, like shows what's up going behind, on yeah it's like behind what is like, this and then the 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 light coming out and and they're and jack goes blind from it like, or whatever 
Yeah, he's all like, it's so, and then wait, there's wait, splashing wait, water. Wait, 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 yeah, there's splashing water from the puddles. Like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it's better. And I'm like, really? Some puddle water in your eye from the, from the evil mystic, and you're good to go? He's like, yeah, yeah, in my eye. I remember, like, I remember, like, watching that scene and be like, what were they thinking on that one? Like, really? That, that did it? <laughs> like, really? The dirty puddle water? Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, I can see. I can see. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, it it's like, we so need some, dirty. it's like, it's like, we need some kind of recovery from the light blinding of the evil uh you know the evil eight foot ninja master oh yeah some some dirty puddle water that'll do it it's awesome but yeah (laughs) that is my favorite scene so funny yeah that is yeah i mean him descending down on the lightning is wicked cool yeah down like and well and that's part of what just again i think the sound the sound quality of this movie just pulls and makes all that real. And I absolutely well, that makes sense with Halloween too, right? Because Halloween, yeah. I, I remember seeing something where John Carpenter was like, yeah, the music has to be. And what's really interesting is I'm pretty sure John Carpenter did the music also for Halloween and directed. And then I think he did the music for this. Mm. I'm not, I'm not hundred percent on that, but I think he did do the music for both. And it's really interesting because music gives such an emotional oh, connection, right? right. To a movie. Well, that's one of the things that Star Wars knocked out of the park is movies hadn't done what Star Wars did. In yeah, in well, and John scene. Williams is, yeah, just amazing. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, kudos to what's his bucket? Um, who's the director of Star Wars? Lucas for, you know, having the vision to realize, yeah, this is going to work. You know what I mean? But yeah, that scene and then the scene in the lair where they're um where they're defeating the ninjas and yeah. uh, the girls like the that, that white the big redo. skull <laughs> the big skull with the neon like I don't yeah, think it's really a kid. cool the like it really stood out to me. I'm like they've cool. got red neon green neon lights yeah. like behind everything I'm like that's cool yep yeah it's just yeah that's where fun. I think they that that set that scene I think they really knocked out of the park i mean everything is just really good yeah it's a it's a great movie we encourage everyone to go watch it yeah the pacing the danger the mysticism yeah it's a quick movie like it 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 keeps you going the whole time Mm -hmm. you don't have time to be like okay what's you know when's this (laughs) gonna start moving again i enjoyed it it was a fun discussion good times and you know you don't know what you're gonna get next because you're gonna get road trip podcast excitement maybe we should maybe we should totally talk about um we talk uh, about whatever Stormlock, the Stormlock. Ar- maybe we'll talk or, about boring things and people will be like what is this what am I doing <laughs> this I, is what these guys talk about all the time <laughs> it's gonna be good road trip coming <laughs> thanks right, everyone thanks for joining us enjoy check it out adios